Welcome to Spiritual Preaching, and um, this is actually an outline for day. Every day, every time we have a class, we're going to be going through an outline, and uh, this outline, put it right here. Is fill in the blank. So it's going to be interactive. You got your pen ready and your notes, and you'll be filling out the answers as we go look to the text. And uh, we're looking at the series here, a discipleship series. And the first one is entitled, okay, look at it, yeah, discipleship series. The first one is called The Heart. We're looking at the heart first. That's the foundation of uh, spirit-filled preaching is the heart. And then we're going to look at the study, studying how to study what subject and how to study in the materials, resources. Then the sermon, creating the sermon. And then we're going to look at the imagination, using imagination in your preaching, um, the type of words you use when you're preaching, and then the appeal. The appeal is very important. Um, every sermon should have some type of appeal. And then the delivery, actually being up there, your presentation, how you present yourself, how you carry yourself, how you hand motions and interaction. And then also the last one is the relationship. And I'll share that when we get there, the importance of relationship with people. Okay, so invite me to turn to me in your Bibles to John chapter 17, verse 3. That's our opening text. John chapter 17, verse 3. Now, in order to preach, you have to preach from your heart, your experience. Um, you must first have an experience with Jesus because you're telling people about how can you tell people about Jesus, right, if you yourself don't have an experience with Jesus? I mean, and the deeper your experiences with Jesus, the more deeper your sermons will have a greater impact upon the people you're presenting to. Example, if I know the governor of, of um, Hawaii and someone else is giving a report about statistics and graphs and information about the governor of Hawaii, and I actually know him as my best friend, and then he gives his report about him. It's kind of dry and intellectual, right? But then I tell about my, my governor best friend, um, that how much I love him so much. He's just a good friend and loyal and true. You're going to be touched by my presentation more so than someone who's just looking inside an encyclopedia about this governor, right? So the same thing is the whole point of presentations from the heart is that you got to have experience with Jesus. And the, ex the way to have an experience with Jesus is by having daily devotions. And that's what we'll be looking at today, daily devotions. Now, I want to share with you that I believe in every single one of you. And, you know, there's, there's so much in here in this, in this class. And I talked to Elder Washington here, <laughs> Leroy, and he said that next, the second quarter, what's going to happen is We'll schedule you to preach after all the classes are done. And then I'll come and preach one Sabbath. And then the next time I'm here, I won't be preaching. I may be on the platform. I'll come down. And then one of you will be preaching. And then that way I can have evaluation. I evaluate you. And then I'll come back after a round and I'll go with you one-on-one. -on -one. Just you. No, no one else will be around. And my goal is like a personal trainer. You know, they train you and they encourage you and push you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge you to the, be the best that you can be. That's my goal, is to be the best that you can be. And um, the one example is Jesus. And I feel that 
I have no problem with anyone. If, if, you, if you preach better than me, I, you make me happy. It's not like I'm not feel like I selfishly want that. All the, you know, I don't want the glory for that. I just want to present the truth. And if you can present it better than me, I believe you can preach. Every single one of you is capable of preaching 10 times better than me. The only thing that's going to hinder you is, do you believe? That's the question. Okay, and I'm going to share principles of what I've learned because I want you to develop. I want you to grow. I want you to be the best that you can be and to fight in your own armor. So, in other words, in the story of Saul and David, you remember that story? In Saul? What did Saul want David to do before he fought Goliath? What did he want him to do? Put on Saul's armor. So he, and he put on the armor of Saul, Saul's armor. He, Saul put his armor on top of David. And David was walking around. What the, what, was he smooth in it? He was, was he agile? What was it? He was clumsy, right? And what did he say? Did he go and fight Goliath in that armor? He didn't. What did he do? He took, the armor off. took it off. And what did he say to Saul? He said, uh, I have not proved it. I mean, I have not experienced in this. This is not my armor. And the principle is this. you got to fight in your own armor. You're not here to copy any person. You may use me as an example, but there's a danger of two things. One danger is the presenter or the instructor molding you to be like how I am, right? And that's why my angle of teaching is, I mean, the, the topics are totally different from your traditional type of class. I'm not trying to mold you into anything. The second thing is that I know people who look up to certain speakers and they totally act like them. They talk like them on the stage, on I mean the platform. They're walking like them and they, they sound exactly like their favorite speaker. But you don't want that either, right? So you're here to let, um, to develop who you are from the inside out and the Holy Spirit move within that. That's what we want. Develop who you are because you're going to be able to reach people that I cannot reach. And that's why it's important that you do preach in the church because God wants you to reach these people that I could never reach, right? And, um, and I believe in you. With my daughter, I tell her, you know, I always tell her, I believe in you. You can do anything you want. I believe in you. And um, God's going to lead you and you can do all things through Jesus Christ. I say, is there anything you cannot do? And she says, no. <laughs> can you do anything? She goes, yes. How? Through Jesus Christ. And so unless you have a faith of a little child, you're not going to enter in. you got to have faith of a little child. you got to believe that, yes, you cannot do nothing. You cannot. But when you're weak and you believe you can't do anything, then you're strong, right? And then God can do mighty things through every single one of you. you got to believe it, though. And that's why I believe that my goal is that, you know, I'm not, covet I'm not jealously coveting my, you know, if I can preach good. I, I'm hoping that you're able to surpass me in every which way. That's my whole goal. To duplicate like David reproduces 30 warriors, you know, and the, the, mighty, the, mighty third, the mighty warriors of David and the top, you know, the three warriors of David. I want you to be reproduced in that aspect where they did better than David in the end. You know, they were able to kill the other Goliath's four brothers. You remember that? Where David almost died and his actually warriors actually saved his life. So that is important that you uh, preach with the spirit of the power. Okay, so we're going to look at the heart and uh, devotion. So let us pray. Father, as your word is open, help us to understand this word in relation to our walk with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what is eternal life? Can somebody read John chapter 17, verse 3? So eternal life is what? What is eternal life? Ah, knowing. Knowing who? Knowing God. 
So in order to have eternal life, we have to know God, right? Do you see that? So you have your text. So what else? What happens when we get to know God's character of love? Turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. In your Bible, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And you notice that in the handouts, there's those fill in the blanks. You can fill in the answers as we go through. So this is a discipleship class. And here's the difference between discipleship class and regular seminar. That's why I said in order to come to this class, you have to preach the sermon. In other words, it's practical. Because sometimes there's people called seminar junkies, and they go from one seminar to another seminar, and they don't do anything with what they learn. They're just addicted to seminars. So to cut down those who are not serious, you, you have to preach the sermon. So that's what the requirement of this class. So uh, that's number one is, so not only intellectual knowledge, number one. Number two is you have to do something that's practical, which is preach the sermon. Number three Jesus modeled it. So when you watch me preach, that's, that I'm modeling and preaching to you. So you're seeing it in action. And then he sent out the, the 70, right, to go out and, and to preach also. So after I modeled the preach, you see me. You didn't see me for a while. And then now you go out there and you minister. And then he, they come back to Jesus and then they actually they evaluate how it went. So that's what we're going to be doing, evaluating one-on-one. So we're following Christ's method in actually discipleship. That's what we're doing. Okay, can somebody read that, please? First John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. What, what happened when we know God's character of love? So everyone that loves, born of God, and also knows God. So to know God is to what? Everyone that knows God, what is it saying? Is born of God and what? Okay. Uh, everyone that is born, everyone that loves, right, is born of God and what? Knows God. So if you love God, that means you know God, right? And the other way is, is true. If you know God, that means you love God. Do you guys see that? So eternal life is based upon knowing God. You want eternal life? You must know God. And how does that happen? Because if you know God, you're going to love God, right? And if you love God, if you love me, you will what? If you love me, keep my commands, you'll be ob obey, right? Do you see that? So you see the progression. The reason why you get eternal life is because if you know God, you will love God. If you love God, you will obey God. Then you obey God. Those who have a, keep my commandments walk through into the kingdom of heaven, right? So, now what else happens when we love God? First John chapter 4, verse 20. First John chapter 4, verse 20, in the same chapter. And verse 20, can someone read that, please? If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God? Okay, if you say you love God, can you hate your brother or your sister? No, you cannot. So if you love God, that means you will also love others, right? So that's the, that's the progression. If you love God, you're going to love others. This is the foundation for successful preaching, right? You're not just preaching just to preach. And you're not just preaching to preach intellectual assent, knowledge. You're preaching to people that they may know God, right? 
that they may love God, that they may be obedient to God, and thus they may have that eternal life. Do you see that? That's the whole big picture. And you cannot teach people to know God if you yourself don't know God, right? Because how can you give that which you do not possess? That's impossible. So the whole point of this first one is the heart. You gotta have how can you say you love someone if you never spend time with that person, right? In order to know somebody, you gotta spend time with that person. That's the whole point of this. This is a the whole first part is that you gotta spend time with your God. And we're looking at principles of worship and morning devotions to develop that. So the most important thing is um, Mark chapter one verse thirty-five. How did Jesus get to know and thus love his father? Mark chapter one verse thirty-five. Can somebody read that, please? Mark one thirty-five. How did Jesus come to know and love? His father. And by the way, just ask any questions. Don't worry about uh, the taping. We'll edit it out. Now we have a good program. <laughs> so just talk, ask questions. Um, you can anytime you want. So how did Jesus get to know and love his father? Mark chapter 1, verse 35. What does the Bible say? What did Jesus do in the morning? He had what? What did he do? The Bible says. He prayed. He had okay, he had devotions with the Father. Now, why do you think he wants to have devotion with the Father? What's, not only did, we're now looking at the act. What's behind the act of devotion? I mean, what's the whole point of him having praying to the Father? What's the point of it anyway? Spending time. Why? To get to know him. And how important is knowing? <laughs> huh? Ah, to love God and to obey God. Do you see that eternal life? So do you see that? Now think about it. Divinity, the Son of God himself, actually had devotion. <laughs> can, you, can you fathom that? Son of God, divinity, actually prayed to the Father for power and help and everything. It, it, it kind of understand. And now think about this. If Jesus had to depend upon devotions, Son of God, divinity? I mean, what about us? I mean, what about me? What about you? Don't you think that if Jesus did it, don't you think it's important for you and me to do it also as our pattern example we're told to do, right? I, that's pretty, I thought it was any, pretty important. In order to make a relationship work today, now you see, I've seen a lot of families being broken up. I've seen a lot of divorces that's happening and those, a lot of people are not even getting married today. They're just shacking up and living together and they got so much problems and a, the problem I'm seeing is that, like on this side, a lot of people work at the hotels. And I know people who work two jobs. Anybody works, do anyone know anyone that works two jobs? Yeah, you guys know two? I know some, I knew somebody who was working three jobs and a, and a husband working like two jobs. And I know somebody actually, they just got split up. They're, they're so busy working. And you know, they're going to church and everybody thought they were happy and you know, this the perfect couple and they're active in the church and the wife picked up the kids and this and this left moved to another state and he, you think everything looks good on the outside but no one knows what's going on in the home right and the problem was that they're so busy making money that they had no time for each other and if you don't have time time equals love that's i spelled i spell love t-i-m-e that's how i spell love because especially in today's generation people don't spend time with one another do you guys see that the pattern that's happening so, and the same thing in the church, how can you love God if, time is, if love is spelled T-I-M-E if you're not even spending time with Him? 
right? And getting to know him, not just intellectual facts about him, but actually you're getting to know who God is. Okay, so that's what Jesus did. He's, he made a priority to spend time with God in order to get to know God and thus love him. That was what Jesus did for his father. Now turn to Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Now, even though there were great pressing needs, what did Jesus still do? Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Luke 5, 15 and 16. Even though... Amen. So, could somebody read that, please? But so much the more when they had been saying, Lazarus, and great multitudes came together to hear, and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Okay. What's going on here? Were there needs there? According to this text. Were there great needs? I mean, people are. The, the suffering, right? And what's, I mean, multiples came together to hear to what? Why did it come to him? To hear him and what else? To be healed. Is it a great need? I mean, you're suffering from cancer. Uh, you have neuropathy. They're going to cut off your leg because of diabetes. Don't you think that it's important that you get healed, right? And so your pressing needs is coming upon Jesus. And Jesus, now he's divinity now, son of God. But of course, his powers was laid aside. But if Jesus himself, what did he do, though there were great needs? And there's another example in another text that talks about the same thing. But what did it say here? What did he do? Huh? He withdrew himself. Can you imagine that? To what? Ah. Time with the Father. He felt that, you know, you ever been in a, in a rut where you're giving, 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 and it comes with like a rut, and like you have really, you're just giving like a form, and there's actually no power in what you're giving? because you haven't been filled. I call it being charged in the HC. You might have AC, DC, HC. I call it heavenly current. And so I go, out, I go into my devotion in the morning, and I plug in, and I get charged with heavenly current, and I get charged spiritually. Why? Because the world will suck the life out of you, I'm telling you. And not only the world, but the church is going to suck the life out of you. And so you have to be charged in order to give to the people, right? Because you cannot give what you have not received first. So you got to give them something, but if you haven't received from God first, you're not going to be able to, to give anything. So you want to be charged with the heavenly current. Any thoughts, questions, ideas? Okay, we need that power of love to go throughout the day. Okay, now go back to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. We're going to look at the structure of devotions, okay? Structure of devotion, because this is the foundation of, of spirit-filled preaching. It's your time with God, knowing God, loving God, so you have the power of God to go and and preach with power. Okay, it's important that you go out there and you preach with power. Okay, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Could somebody read that, please? Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to the, to the solitary place, and there he prayed. Okay, um, what part of the day did Jesus pray? What did it say? Morning. Ah, so now we have morning, that's what we call it, morning uh, devotions. Now notice this, this quotation from inside your hand out there, from Steps to Christ. Can somebody read that, please, about consecrate yourself? So consecrate yourself to God in the morning and make this your second work. Is that what it says? 
So in other words, you get up, you brush your teeth, you know, and then you get ready, and then you go to work, and then you have your devotions. I mean, is that what it's saying here? Then you consecrate yourself to God. Do you know how, you know your human flesh and my human flesh? flesh? Who's our greatest enemy, by the way? You guys know? Self. Okay, if our greatest enemy is self, and you wake up, and you're like, ah, ah, and, and your mind's racing already, all the things you got to do in a day, and you think, well, my second work or the third work is to consecrate myself, then you're going to get up, you get ready, you go to work, and you maybe pray on the way to work or something like that. I mean, if self is that strong, why do you think you, we fail in our Christian walk if we're not having that first consecration first thing in the morning? Do you see that? If we're not consecrated the first thing, you know, as soon as we wake up, and this is a bad habit of me, I almost like have to fight it. I start thinking about certain things and what I got to do, even if it's spiritual things, rather than my knowing God and loving God. So habit is I learned from a friend. He, as soon as he wakes up, roll on my knees, and I just say, Lord, um, there's a, actually a spirit prophecy quotation. I say, take me, O Lord, for I'm wholly yours. I lay all my plans at your feet. Use me today in your service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in you, done with you. In other words, I surrender my life to you in the morning. You have to surrender your, your will, yourself. If you do not do that, yourself will run throughout the whole day because that's your greatest enemy. Do you see that? So you got to have first consecration. As soon as you wake up, you got to have your devotion. You got to consecrate. You got to surrender yourself to God, your will, as soon as you wake up because self is deceiving and your heart is deceitful. You're going to think that you're going to make it and you think you're in the spirit of God the whole day, but actually, if you don't do that at the end of the day, many times people are going to find out that they're going to be repenting all day for what they haven't done in the morning, which is surrender themselves to God. And you don't want to do that. And it's hard to get back once you fail. Thoughts, questions? Oh, yeah. I'm sure we all have. I have. Yeah. What's the point of me even trying to do this when I haven't even been, you know, I haven't gone to source for the energy to take Amen. And let me reread this quote again because I read it wrong and for the camp, for the recording, this is to know. I read it with second work and third work, but last work. But let me read the right way. It says, Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work, right? So you consecrate, we need to consecrate ourselves as the first work. Um, and then you get the power for the day, like you said, right, Jamie? And I need that. If I don't go and have my worship in the morning, I'm a wreck the whole day. I'm seriously. I don't know how people make it without God. And I know what I am without God. I'm a wreck. I need God. Especially this world is getting crazier and crazier. And, you know, I lose my temper. I get irritated. I, you know, I get frustrated. I say the wrong things. And in the days I have great devotions, I mean, you think that you're going to do less because you spend time in the morning? I look, you know, I sit back in the, in the night, I'm lying in bed, I'm thinking, I don't know how I accomplished so much in one day. I feel like I accomplished, like, I, mean, I feel like it's like a whole week, a whole month in one day. Things like flows. And I think people feel it, example, practically. If I'm on the phone talking to a sales representative or trying to order stuff, and most people give me attitude, you know, or they forget they lose something or they lose my order number or my address, whatever. And I'm dealing with problems. But if I'm in the spirit, I know it's, that things get done quicker. And maybe now so much God working also on their side, but if I'm a humble spirit, 
people are willing to think, wow, this guy is pretty nice, I'm going to help him out. Do you see what I'm saying? It practically works that way also um, from both sides. And God is also working on the heart through your Holy Spirit, right? So it just works so much better when you're connected with God, I've seen. Anyway, any thoughts on that? Questions? Okay, so the first thing is, have your morning devotions in the morning, okay? And I have it down there. Spend time with God every morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says also, in the morning, um, the next question is, how early in the morning did Jesus have his devotions, according to this text in Mark 1, 35? What does it say? In the morning, rising when? Ah, great while when? Before day. Now, there's something here. Now, I'm presenting this principle. Now, now I don't want to discourage you, because... We're going to look from the Bible, biblical principles, and the spirit of prophecy. And where you may be at, you're way out of this. I mean, you're probably way far away, okay? That's fine, no problem. I'm not saying you have to do all this one time. What I'm saying is that take one principle, apply principles, and build up upon that foundation. If you're not having devotions in the morning, I mean, just start one minute. I mean, start somewhere. Just one minute. Just start one minute. Pray to God, consecrate yourself to God, and then move on. One minute is better than no minutes. Don't you, you believe that? One minute is no Just say, God, I surrender myself to you this morning. Please help me. I'm simple prayer, 10 seconds, right? And then just maybe pray for a few people and then read a, like a paragraph from Desire for Ages. That's like two, three minutes. When I first started my devotions, I only started like one, two, three minutes. Um, my, I'm going to share at the end my devotional life. So you kind of have a, a, a picture, not as an as a example, but so you can get an a idea of what a devotion would look like with following the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy. But one to three minutes, a lot, I did for years, I did for like three minutes, then went up to five minutes, and then 10 minutes, and then 15. I never made the big jump. If you're going to jump to a large devotion and do all this one time, you, uh, well, maybe not. God, Holy Spirit may lead you, and you may be able to do it. Praise God. But the best is to go slowly and build and actually be faithful in the little that you do, and you add more, right? So that's how, that's what. So this is principles. You may do one here, you may one there, and you add more. But the more principles you add, the more powerful experience, and then the more powerful your sermon is going to be. That's what I'm adding up, okay? So the second one is rising up before the day. Now, why do you think it's important that practically, why do you think it was good? Why do you think Jesus went early in the morning? Besides, okay, my thing is that I'm not only interested in what he did so we copy it without asking. My thing is that we need to ask why he did it, right? What's the point? What do you think is, what's so great about early in the morning before the sun rises? What's, what's the big deal anyway? I mean, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Oh. Better. Better? Oh. Peace and calm. Peace and calm. You guys hit it right on. You hit it right on. I, I love to wake up before my daughter because, I mean, once you wake up, you really, it's hard to do that, right? And my wife, too, we wake up before and we have a worship, uh, individual worship. But you're right, the peace and quiet. I mean, to wake up even before the sun and the birds, to hear stillness, I mean, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, this, the world is so busy, to hear that stillness is, is a pretty powerful experience. 
So that's what Jesus did every morning. He had his, um, his worship in the morning. And also, why is it better than the evening worship? If you say you sleep at like 11, say you sleep like at 12, or, or actually past 12. Let's say you sleep at 1 or 2, you have devotion at night, and in the morning you don't have the devotion, and you kind of go at the end of the day. I mean, on a practical level, what's the danger? Okay, now if you look at this quotation here from Manuscript Releases, Volume 7, page 224, it says, two hours good sleep before 12 o'clock is worth more than how much? Four hours, what? After 12 o'clock. So, okay, now, if you sleep after 12, if you sleep at like at, after 12, it says here that for every two hours uh, after 12, there's worth four hours, sorry, if you s- sleep before 12 o'clock, right, it's worth double as much uh, um, blessing to you and uh, refreshing to you than actually after 12 o'clock, right? So there's something about that. You know, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> Never was. I, I hate the morning. <laughs> the only reason I've learned to love the morning is because of uh, because I, I love to spend time with the one whom I love. That's the only. This is the. This has broken my cycle. I, I come from the nightclub scene, and um, I, I I'm used to walking out the nightclub, seeing the sun rising. I mean, that's how I was. That's my lifestyle, and I, I have a hard time waking up in the morning. Um, but like. This gospel right here, the love of God, it compels me. Like, I want to wake up early, and I, I want to spend time with the one whom I love. And I spend time with him in the morning because I, I do love him. And therefore, I decide to you know, sleep earlier, and it becomes a habit with me. And so, uh, even though I'm ingrained that I'm not a morning person, after 20 years of habit, it conditioned me to be a morning person. Do you see that? But in my mind, I still think I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so... Any thoughts on that? Ideas? Any experiences? Do you see that? Yeah. How many morning persons? How many? Oh, I'm not sure. I, I like the morning. You like morning? Okay. I like it when I can watch the sunrise. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, you know, going out for a walk or something. Um, when I was in Lake Tahoe, like out in the meadow or something that I used to live next to in the morning, and you're out there when it's nice and calm, and you actually hear the birds and everything like that. Okay, good. And I love those things, but I guess condition I'm not. But very good. So you're a morning person, you're a morning person? Or you're not? Okay. So this Lloyd is a morning person in this whole place? Wow. See, so okay, go ahead. Wow. Wow. And it, it just blew my mind. I'm thinking, that is how powerful huh. our flesh is. Yeah. You know? And no matter how bad we want, mentally we want to spend time with God, our flesh is still there. Wow. So the spirit is willing, <laughs> but the flesh is weak. Yeah. Exactly. It's a battle. Very good illustration. Thank you. Okay. So let's go to an example. So. Turn to Exodus chapter 16, verse 21. Let's look at the morning again. What's the power of that in the morning? 
Exodus 16, verse 21. When God gave to the Israelites manna, what happened as the sun came up and it got later in the morning? Look at Exodus chapter 16, verse 21. Now, manna uh, refers to the bread from heaven, which represents feeding on the word of God, right? We mentioned not live by bread alone, by every word, which represents the word of God, right? That proceeded out of the mouth of God. So that's what manna represents, the word of God. And feeding on manna represents feeding on the word. And the word, repre- the word reveals, the scripture reveals, it testifies, Jesus said, um, it testifies of me, right? It testifies of Jesus and his character of love. So that's what the word's purpose is. Okay, somebody read that, please, in Exodus chapter 16, verse 21. So every morning, the manna rained down from heaven. It was all on the ground. But what did the Bible say here in 21? As, as, um, as the sun came up, as it got later in the morning, later, and more later in the morning, more hotter, what happened to the manna? It melted. It melted. It got less and less and disappeared. So there's something about the morning that's fresh, like you've seen the you know, just rise up and go outside and see the sun rising and, and there's something about seeing and there's quietness and the birds singing, praise God, praise God, praise God and, and the sun shining through the trees and the rays shooting through, you know, through the leaves. There's something beautiful out there and you can see the voice of God and experience it in your life and it, it transforms you, it subdues and softens your heart and yourself and it gives you a powerful experience. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Beautiful. I've experienced it a couple times. I'm using that up and it. I mean, I'll realize it's just light. I'm using that up there. Sometimes I'm not actually using my camera. I just watch that valley. Mm. Beautiful place you're at. Very beautiful. You got some good views, I'm sure. And I feel the same way where we live is, um, I can resonate with you folks if you're saying, we live on five acres out there, and just seeing the beauty. I'm describing you because I'm telling what I see in the morning. It's so beautiful. I mean, I feel like I'm so close to God going through that whole experience of, uh, of the morning devotions. So as it got later, later in the morning, the spiritual manna, it began to melt. And then Jesus understood this, and that's why before a great while before day, he received the spiritual food from heaven, right? In the same way, we need to wake up early you know, to feed on the, the spiritual manna of, uh, uh, of heaven upon us, right? So uh, that's what God definitely wants us to experience in our lives. And uh, I think they're here for the class too, I think, <laughs> from Kohala. <laughs> so you can ex- Come in, come in, come in. <laughs> Aloha, welcome, welcome. Lucia, and you, how's it? Hey, Aloha, welcome. I'm not figure. Welcome. Come on this side, come on this side. Teacher, get him. Maybe put the chairs right here.
Okay, this is uh, this is the notes. It's filling a blank as we're going. So here you go. Welcome. They're gonna be doing youth Sabbaths in Kohala, so welcome everybody. <laughs> and they're gonna be learning the preaching. So we're actually on where are we folks? Can you let them know? Okay. Okay, turn to Exodus chapter 16, verse 21. That's where we're at. Exodus chapter 16, verse 21. And we talk about the manna. So we talk about spirit-filled preaching is knowing God, loving God, experiencing God. And so the foundation of preaching is that you have an experience with God. So that's our whole point, is the foundation of, uh, of preaching. This is a, the schedule for the class. Here you go. So we're looking at three, the structure of morning devotions, C. So the sun came out, the, the manna was melting. So the manna represents the word of God, and the word of God reveals the love of God. That's the whole point. So you want to experience the most amount of the love of God, so that's why it's good to have devotion time or prayer time with God early in the morning. That's what you want to do, and that's the whole point. Okay? And now turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 5. Genesis chapter 1, verse 5 in your Bibles. Genesis chapter 1. Now, when did the day begin? So we talk about Jesus went early in the morning. He had his devotions in the morning. Devotions is praying with God, spending time with God, knowing God as a friend so you can love God and thus obey God and serve Him. And if you have a love of God in your heart, then that makes for spiritual preaching. You got to have the love of God in your heart. You got to spend time with the one um, you love so that you can love Him more. Okay, Genesis chapter 1 verse 5. Could somebody read that please? And the uh, question is, what, when does the day begin? When does the day begin? Anybody can read Genesis 1 verse 5. Okay, the first day, what two components make up a day according to this Bible text? Do you see that? Evening and morning. Okay, so you have evening and morning, right? So we think of the day starts morning, then evening, right? Is that true? Like we say, well, okay, the day starts tomorrow. I'll come to your house early in the morning and then the evening. But the Bible says that the, e the day is opposite. It starts when? In the evening, on the night. So that's why Sabbath, right? If you think, okay, the seventh day we would actually worship on Saturday only, right, in the morning, like at uh, early in the morning to late at night. But that's not what the Bible says. So that's why at Seventh-day Adventists, we actually have, we, we start Sabbath is actually Friday night, even though the next day starts at 12 o'clock midnight, right? So there we have the evening and the morning. And here's the point. The point is this. We're talking about devotion, spending time with God in the morning, praying to God. And if you don't have devotions, start off with something. Surrender yourself to God. Just pray for one minute in the morning. That's what, if you haven't doing anything, start one minute. And then say, God, I surrender myself to you. I, I want to get to know you. And then read like one text or something. But start somewhere, just anywhere for like one minute and then move on your devotions. Okay, so evening and morning, the point is this. In order to wake up early the next day, it's important that you try to sleep as early as possible the night before, right? <laughs> now, um, Many of us know that we're not, um, I, I share with the people that I'm not a morning person. I hate the mornings. I, I live for the nights. I've always lived for the nights. And I, I go no, in the clubbing scene, I was always night, night, night. But uh, I came to, after 20 years, condition because I want to spend time with my, my, 
my Lord in the morning because I love him and I want to. So to do that, I actually think this now. I condition myself at nighttime and thinking, okay, tomorrow to have good devotions, I can't be staying up late and talking all night. I got to end this, cut this off early, go home early, and actually so I can sleep early so I can spend time with the one whom I love in the morning. Does that make sense? Because love is spelled T-I-M-E, right? So I want to spend time with the one whom I love, which is God. And the reason why this began, because if you love God, that's going to come true when you're preaching. You want people to see that you love God. That's most important. The only thing that's going to draw people to Christ, you got to preach the love of God. And you cannot preach the love of God if you yourself don't have the love of God. Does that make sense? You got to experience it. You cannot give what you do not have. You got to give the love of God. So in order to have the love of God, you got to experience the love of God within your life. Any questions, thoughts, um, ideas, experiences? So it's a battle against... So the battle to me does not happen in the morning and forcing myself to wake up. The battle in me starts the night before. And I'm like, okay, I need to make sure I sleep by 10 o'clock. I can't be staying up to 1, 2, because I'm going to be killed. And then I do my wake up for my devotions. And even though I had devotions, I'm still tired and irritated anyway. I mean, it just, it's hard to actually reach out to, uh, to people when you're actually really tired also. Okay? So go back to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And let's review. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 in your Bibles. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And we're on the second page, 3E. Do you see that? 3E. I'm sorry. See these two pages? The back of this, of the first page, or the second. 3E. Where did Jesus go to have his morning devotion? So Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And, uh... 135. Can you read that, please, somebody? Mark 135. Okay, so number one, we learned that Jesus went out to have to pray every morning. Now, Jesus is our example, so he went out to pray. So you have to pray in the morning. That's number one, your devotions. Number two, this is what Jesus did. He went out and had his devotion, not at night, but it says in the morning, because it's so easy for ourselves to get pulled and sucked away and not think about God all day, um, but because self is our greatest enemy, so you want to consecrate yourself to God early in the morning as soon as you wake up. So in the morning, he had devotions, and then rising up a great while before day, as much as possible before the sun comes up. We went over that already, right? Before the sun comes up. Um, I know it's hard for a lot of us, but there's a special blessing with that. And then it says here that he, he went where? Inside the house, it says? What does it say? He went where? Out. out. Where is out? Outside into nature. Ah, nature. Why do you think Jesus went outside into nature? What's, what's outside? What's, in, what's so great about nature out there? God's creation. God's creation. What does nature do? What's the purpose of nature? It's a glory. What's God's glory? It's character. What's God's character? What's character made out of? Thoughts and feelings. In other words, nature reveals the thoughts and feelings of a God who loves you. Right? So Jesus went out to nature to see how much his father loved him. And when he charged, was charged with the love of God every morning, guess what? He had the love to give to people. 
when you're preaching, you can't, you can't go up there and just give facts and, and figures and dates and information and prophecy and information, right? You got to give something. And what people are hungry for, they're hungry for love out there, right? And you got you to gotta experience the love. You got to see his love. And, you, and nature just adds, what I'm saying is these are principles. I'm not saying you can do all these things one time because maybe you're not there. You're far away. That's fine. No problem. But as you add one principle, maybe the next one you add another principle, and the next one you add another principle, and you just build upon your devotion life, and sooner or later your devotion life will be this, uh, powerful experiences. And that's what I want you to have, to have powerful experiences to experience the love of God in your heart. If that's what this preaching process accomplishes, praise God. Because you're preaching what's on your heart. I'm, you know, we're living in a world that church members, even church members, people in the world, they don't like hypocrites. They don't like people who go to the farm. If you're up there and you're, we're going to go over that, but they rather, they rather see someone who's sharing from the heart with no notes and it's simple than someone who is actually reading an elaborate sermon, but they're actually just reading it. True? Don't you guys touch more when somebody actually, they're simple, but they're sharing from the heart, and they're touched, and they're crying, and then you're touched? Have you been, how many have been touched that way? I've been touched, right? So people, that's what people want. They're, the most powerful sermons are not the ones that by great preachers and fancy words and all that. The best sermons are the ones, um, even young people who are preaching from the heart. That's where the power is at. So you got to preach, and they want to hear an experience because not too many people have real-life ex Christian experiences today. So the next thing is that he went on to nature because nature reveals God's love for us. Uh, when I started, you know, there was a time in my ministry as a pastor that I, um, I lost my walk with God as a pastor. I, I wasn't uh, spiritually, I, wasn't, I was being fake. I wasn't a real Christian in a sense because I was going to the motions and the form of uh, Christianity. And then... I decided that I needed to move into more into the country, and that's where I went to uh, Old Colorado. You bought a place up there, and it was actually when I was having my devotions and I was going outdoor every day, and I was actually that's what resuscitated my my walk with God and my experience with God. So that was important, and that's why it's important to go out into nature. Any thoughts? No? Okay, Mark chapter one verse thirty-five, and the next question is: With whom did Jesus have? Morning worships with. Could somebody read that, please? Mark one thirty-five. The question is: To whom did Jesus have morning devotions with? Morning worships with. Could somebody read Mark one thirty-five? Now in the morning, having risen long a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to the solitary place and there prayed. Okay, when he had his morning worship, who did he worship with? A big group, is that what the Bible says? Solitary, by himself. Do you see that? So Jesus had a worship, morning worship, and he did it by himself. And that's why it's important. You know, there's a time for group worship to come together and have family worship. That's important. We do that. But it's important to have morning devotions by yourself. And if, if you hand out here, let's go over these principles here, on the summary of the six points. So the number one point is this. this. We must, in order to have a spirit-filled preaching, that in order to, even for any talk, you must spend time with God every morning, right? Is that clear? Number one, the summary. And then number two, you, 
Uh, spend time with God before the sunrise. Now, these are principles. If you're not doing any of these, hey, start off with one. And then the next one, add the next one. And build upon it. And then you realize that your life's going to transform. And then when you're preaching, you'll be preaching with power, the Holy Spirit. Everything will be with you. Okay, so spend time with God every morning. Number two, spend time with God before the sun rises like Jesus did in Mark 135. Number three, sleep early every night so that you can get up early to spend time with God before the, the day starts the night before, right? So that's the third principle. Sleep early. Practice sleeping early. Even though it's, a, it's not, a, you're not a morning person, but get into a good habit. Four, spend time with God out in nature, right? Because it speaks about God's love. Number five, spend time with God alone. If you were to add all these principles, now, if you just do one, if you were just to pray, your life would change already. Your, spirit, your, your preaching would be spirit-filled. If you were to add a next thing like you rise up before the morning, before the sun rises, the more powerful your experience is. You see the love of God through the flowers, the birds singing and everything. It adds more power. And then you add on another principle, like you, you rather than being tired in the morning, you actually sleep early, so you actually refresh and you're more able to hear the voice of God, right? And the next one, if you spend time with God in nature and you're hearing His voice out there, I mean, just continue to add on more and more and then more, right? And then the last one is that if you spend time with God alone rather than a group worship, there's more of a power within that. Any thoughts, questions, ideas, experiences? You guys experienced this a little bit? Yeah, the changes? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So going to bed early helps. <laughs> yeah, it does. Very good. Any other experience? So I've seen this in my devotions that when the more you add these principles, the more your love for God will grow. And thus, whatever you share, you have more to give. And then when you're preaching, people will see this, the love of God. Okay, let's go to the last, one more section, the next section. Um, what to do for morning devotion. You're like, what do I do in this time, okay? Any questions so far? Thoughts? Okay. Psalms 5, verse 3. What did David do in the morning devotions? Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. Okay, we're on the third page, okay? What did David do in his morning devotions? Could somebody read that, please? Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. Okay. When did David pray? <laughs> Morning. And what did he do? He what? He lifted up his voice. And what else did he do? He, we said it already. He, in the morning, he prayed, right? He prayed. So the, this is practical instruction. You're wondering, what do I do? What is morning devotions? What do I do? The first thing you can do is you can pray to God, right? And you go, well, what do I pray for? And basically, you're, you're praying for you know, you can surrender yourself to God. We talked about it early. Surrender your will to God anymore and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you today. And then you start praying for your mom. Pray for your dad. Pray for your brother who's no longer coming to church. Your sister. Your cousin. Your friends. My name. Then the church leadership. The church members. I mean, you can pray for people who are sick or your relatives or people on the mainland or 
wherever they may be. You pray for these people. So David prayed in the morning, and that's why it's good to pray for Job when he, he was healed when he began praying for his friends, right? So there's something about praying for people, and it changes your heart. Even pray for your enemies. I pray for my enemies, by the way, <laughs> in the morning. You know I pray for my enemies? Guess, guess what? After a while, I end up loving my enemies because I'm praying for them. I'm actually praying for my enemies. After a while, this hatred that I once had for them starts to disappear because I'm praying for them. And it takes, if I'm praying for someone, how can I hate someone I'm praying for every day, right? You cannot. And so just pray for your enemies. And, and guess what? When you pray for your enemies, people, they, they hate your guts. And then you hate them, but you pray for them, and after when you see them, you don't have bitterness. You're like, hey, how are you doing? It, it changes, not, not only not changing them, you, you're praying that God will change them, but guess what? You're the one that's changed. By praying, God changed your heart. So there's lots of things to pray for. You pray for uh, what decision, should I sell my property? Should I buy this car? Uh, should I move in this direction? Should I get a new job? You know, should I change schools? You know, should I... Uh, whatever should I what ministry should I do in the church what are the ministries you call me to so there's different ministries whatever is on your heart pray for that okay uh, any questions thoughts experiences okay so what did David want to hear from God every morning Psalms 143 verse 8 Psalms 143 stay in Psalms we're going to stay here Psalms 143 verse 8 and could somebody read that please what did God David wants to hear from God every morning. One Psalm, 143, verse 8. This is the second thing to do in your morning devotion. You're wondering what to do. The first thing, you pray in your devotions. Second thing. Can we read that, please? What did he want to hear? What did David want God to cause him to hear in the morning? Is what? Ah, very good. David wanted God to say, God, he wanted to see God's love for him. Do you see that? He wanted to see and he wanted to experience in his heart God's love. He prayed, yes, but the second thing he did, he wanted to study the Word of God. He wanted to study a spiritual book. He wanted to see, to know the love of God know God so that he would love God, right? He, that's what he wants to experience in his heart. And that's why when you preach, people, it's like when the apostles preached, they said they, they had no, they knew that the disciples had been with who? The Bible says with Jesus, right? So when you are up there speaking, people are going to go and they, they can see, they can tell, they experience that, wow, uh, that person has been with Jesus. I can tell. The person, when he talks about Jesus, she gets excited. <laughs> you can tell she loves Jesus. I mean, you can just tell they're excited. They love him so much. They must have been with Jesus in their morning devotions, right? And that's what the Bible is talking about here. So you must see the love of God. So read books about the love of God. Desire, how many of you ever heard of Desire of Ages? <laughs> that's a good book to start off. It's a book about the life of Christ and the love of God. And um, I can give you free books if you guys want it. I can give you free today. But that's one book to go on about the love of God. And um, I'm actually reading a book right now for my devotions in the morning. It's called God is Love. <laughs> and love, I and mean, it's transforming my life. It's so beautiful to see God's love. And to see how much he loves me, it changes me so much. 
I, just, I can't help but share how much God loves me with the people. And that's why my series is on the love of God. And I want to share that love to other people because he loves me so much and I love him so much. Right? That's what God wants for each one of us. So see the love of God. Okay, what else did David do? Psalms 104, 33, and 34. Psalms 104, 33, and 34. Oh, by the way, there's a quotation on top of your thing. Let me read it. Uh, it says here in B, right? The Lord desires me to call the attention of his people to the uh, what chapter? Of what book? First Corinthians. So First Corinthians 13. Now what, what chapter is that? First, what is First Corinthians 13 talking about? Does anyone know? It's a love chapter. So God wants you to look at the love chapter. Why? Read this chapter every month. Is that what it says? Every month? No, every day. Okay, every day. So read the love chapter every day. Why? Because God wants you to focus on the love chapter. God wants you to focus on love. And that's going to transform your life. Read this every day and from it attain comfort and strength. Learn from it the value that God places on sanctified, heaven-born love. And let this lesson that it teaches come home to your hearts. Do you see that? So God wants you to experience the love of God within your hearts. Um, there's another quotation that says, It would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in the contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing one. What happened in the closing scenes of Jesus? What happened in his closing life? What, what happened to him? He crucified. So we're focused on the life of Christ, especially on the cross. And what does the cross reveal? The what? His love. The cross reveals God's love for us. We ought to meditate upon the love of God, we're told. So David wanted to see his loving kindness, his love. Now, what did David do? What else? Psalms 104, 33, and 34. Can somebody read that, please? 104, 104, 33, and 34. One of What did David want to be sweet to him? His what? Meditation. In other words, the three parts of morning devotion you can do. We talked about you can pray, pray for everyone, people you love to your enemies, right? And things you on your heart. Second thing you do is what? What's the second thing you can do? Listen and look for the love of God. Study about the love of God, right? That we reveal to you, cause you to see the loving kindness of God. And the third thing you can do is what? Meditate, reflect the love of God. In other words, just sit back, read nature, let it speak to you, study about the love of God, but don't just study and let your mind waste the whole time in devotion. Put it down and then think about what you read and reflect upon it. There's a power in doing that. You know, sometimes I have devotions where I won't even read a book. I pray and then I'll just reflect for a long time. I need it, you know. <laughs> so I just go as much as I can. You know, Satan is very angry at us today. And you come to the point where you cannot make it as a Christian unless you have your devotion, your morning devotion. He, he's going to give you all kinds of problems and hardships and trials in your life. And you're going to have to need morning devotions to get it. I need it more because uh, the challenges I go through. But I know many of us have go through a lot of hardships, sometimes more harder than mine. So um, you really need the Lord. Yeah? Reflect upon the love of God and the word of God and through nature. Okay, principles of the last section, principles for morning worships. 
Luke chapter 22, verse 39 to 41. What was Jesus used to? Luke chapter 22, verse 39 to 41. Just let me read that, please. Okay, Jesus, it says, as he came out and went, and as he was want. What's another word for, anyone have another version? What else is another word for want? As he was want, or as was his custom, or his habit. And what did he do there in the Mount of Olives? What was his custom to do every time at the Mount of Olives? What did the Bible say in 41? What What did he do? He prayed. So every, see, Jesus had created a habit. And after you do a habit, it comes easier for you to do it. You know, when you first study devotion in the morning, you do like, we pray for like a, a minute or two minutes and you read a little portion, like three minutes. It's hard to do that. But after a while, you're doing it for like a week and then a month. Guess what? You wake up in the morning and like you so automatically, you turn over, you start praying. It becomes a habit. I've been doing it for 19 years. And it's such a habit with me. Like, I can't go anywhere. I can go anywhere and travel around the world, even on a plane, and it's early in the morning, 6 o'clock, and it's such a habit. Like, oh, I just got to have my devotions, and I just pull up my thing and start praying and read my book. It's, it's, a, it's natural. It's easier, yeah? So you have experiences like that? Yeah? So it's just experiences that, that's what Jesus had. He had a habit of going to the mountain and just praying. That's what God wants you to do. At first, you may thought it was hard, but I remember when I first started, you know, it's funny. No one taught me about devotions. <laughs> no one taught me about devotions. I, I had hit a rock bottom in my, in my life, and I was coming out of the world, and I'm um, just, you know, just living for myself and selfish. And, and uh, I, saw, I saw someone having devotions. How's that one? I saw someone having devotions. I learned about devotion. Not no one told me about it, but I, I lived with someone, in, and he's the only one in the house. He had devotions, like in the morning. And he used to go out and read and, and do his little devotion outside and come back. And I picked it up by watching. And there's something there about that, huh? Picking up by watching. So it's a very important. The first one is uh, that you must create a habit to have morning devotions every single morning. Okay, what else are we are to be? Uh, turning me to, in your Bibles, oh, Yeah, turning your Bibles to the second one is uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. What are we to be? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. And uh, what are we to be? So three verse, Second Thessalonians chapter three verse five. That God is wanting us to direct our hearts into the what? The love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. So when you have your morning devotions, not only make it a habit, but don't rush your spiritual devotions. Now, um, 
even if you have to cut it short, you should still be patient in your worship as to hear God's voice. Now, what happens is that when you lie in bed, you wake up in the morning. Okay, this is an example. You wake up in the morning, and then what Satan's going to do, he's going to say, okay, what you got to do is you still got to do your homework. You still got um, to send an email to your boss. You know, you got to uh, still do your lesson plans. You still got to do your, your, uh, your schedule for the week. You got to do all these things, right? And so Satan's tempting you with all these different things. And so what you're going to do is you're going to get your devotional book. You're going to read. You're going to pray first. You read it, your little paragraph, and you're reading it. And then, but then you're reading it because, and you're rushing through it because you're not even, you're not even going through this. You're going to the, the form, your checklist, and it becomes part of your schedule. So you, you're going to the form of Christianity, and you're being rushed. So the Bible is saying here, be patient in spirit. In other words, don't rush your devotions. If you have to cut it short, if you go like half an hour, uh, go 50, if you go and you have no time, cut it to 50 minutes. But don't rush the 50 minutes. Does that make sense? Take your time. You don't, if you, you see, if you normally read a chapter a day and you cut short, read only a page for that day. And take your time. Chew upon what you read. Let, let the love of God uh, transform your life as you read. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Don't, don't rush your devotions. Okay, don't rush your time. Be patient as you study your, your, the love of God in the morning. Okay, any thoughts, questions? No? Okay, next text, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Um, what are we to do if our mind wanders while we're having devotions? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Could somebody read that, please? Very good. So we have to bring every thought unto what? Captivity, every thought into the obedience of Christ. In other words, why are you, why are you having devotions? Guess what? Yes, I'm having a good devotion, but then I think about, oh, my daughter's going to be taking swimming classes today. You know? <laughs> Your mind wanders. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I still got to do my, uh, my to-do list I had. I written down, I got to go Hilo. Oh, and then while I'm in Hilo, I remember the time I was at Home Depot and I saw um, Auntie Mary. Oh, yeah, and Auntie Mary, yeah, I remember that time she was talking about uh, her, her son Joe, that were good friends. I remember the time we were at school together. I mean, you can go off, right? And so the Bible is saying here that you've got to bring your mind back into captivity to Jesus Christ and only to the love of God. And that's why it says here in this quotation, if the mind wanders, we must bring it back by persevering effort, habit, we'll finally make it easy. So build a habit. Say, Lord, help me to bring it back. I cannot. Bring it back and focus on, I want to see your love for today because, see, every morning you wake up, automatically your heart is hardened. That's just how it is. Uh, our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So every morning what you want to do is, your heart needs to be plowed. It needs to be softened. And the only thing that can soften your heart is not knowledge from the Bible. This is not going to do it. The only thing that can soften your heart is what? The love of God. So you have to see the love of God. You read, study, the, you pray, then you study about the love of God, then you meditate upon the love of God, 
and you let the love of God change you and transform your life. Okay, okay now turn to Daniel chapter 1. Okay, this is an important principle. Daniel chapter 1 in your Bibles. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing changed in my heart. I still feel like a rock. You know, part of me. And I, I never, it never made sense. Why? You know, I'm reading the word and trying to find time. It did not make sense. Oh, good. Praise God. I'm not really reading about necessarily the love of God. It's just a story of reading. Amen. Yeah. Very good. Okay, Daniel chapter 1. Can you go to Daniel chapter 1, verse um, 12? Okay, now Daniel, we're talking about our, our lifestyle, our diet, okay? This is important, okay, because I want you to see the big picture. Now, again, if you haven't applied any of these principles, you want to apply it one by one, and you want to build toward this to have um, a good connection and a love for God and knowing God. And I want to show you how diet affects our love for God. It can affect your love for God, and that's the whole point. Now, if anything, you know that, you know, you're not obedient. You don't do these things to earn your salvation. Are you following me? You, you, by the love of God and experiencing God, you already love God and you're saved already and you're doing this so that you can have a clear walk to love God even more. Does that make sense? That's the whole point. So this is not salvation issue in the sense of, you know, you have to do this in order to earn salvation. This is because you have been saved and you want to obey God, okay, because he's giving you the salvation. Okay? Yeah. Exactly. Because it helps you to know God which helps you to love God. And we're going to go in this text in Daniel chapter 1. Actually, three phases of the diet, how it's going to affect you. And I'm going to show you practical experiences. And we're not only talking, we're talking whole lifestyle. We're not just talking about something. But I want to look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 12. And what did Daniel do? Okay. Um, somebody read that, please. Okay, what did Daniel and his friends, what kind of lifestyle diet did they want to eat? What does it say? Pulse. What is pulse? What does it say there? Okay, vegetable. Oh, you got to say Okay, vegetable is vegetable than what? So it's a healthy, it's a plant-based vegetarian diet. That's what they want and that's what they ate. Now, I want you to notice um, what happened because they ate this diet. Okay, Daniel chapter 1, verse 15. Somebody can read that, please? Okay, so how did it look physically? Now we're looking at three portions. One is physically, physically, yeah, mentally, spiritually. Okay, physically. Countenance is a, is a complexion and how they look. How did they look? Fairer and fatter, I mean, fatter was actually healthier, fairer looking better. When you eat a healthy diet, and we're talking about a healthy lifestyle with water, not eating, you know, you're drinking a lot of sugar and Coca-Cola and candy bars and chocolate. What happens to your complexion? Guess what? <laughs> Pimples, okay? <laughs> Pimples. <laughs> you know, I have a good friend. He said that, you know what drew him? You know, he was in the world, and he was into breakdancing and uh, King Cobra. Yeah, he's King Cobra. He told me, you know, you know what attracted him to the gospel? To, to Christianity, he wasn't even a Christian. You know what it was? The, 
he heard so many sermons, he was so bored, but one thing perked up when he in Sabbath school class, he came to his church for the first time. He said he had a problem with acne, pimples. And when the person said, what you put on the inside comes on the outside. So he said it was actually when he changed, the, it was actually the health message that eating healthier, because he tried everything, couldn't get rid of his pimples. He tried Oxy-10, Oxy-15, Oxy-20. I mean, just tried everything. He said it didn't work. So he actually changed his diet, and guess what? His pimples went away. His lifestyle changed. And that what drew him to the, then he, he wasn't even to the love of God. It was only his pimples he was worried about, because he's a teenager, right? And then after he realized he changed his diet, then he got, wow, I must have something here if it worked. The Bible worked in this. So he, then he went to the knowing the loving God, and then he cared about the love of God after. And when I did, I had, you know, I had acting too in my early 20s, I remember. And then I changed my lifestyle after like the mid-20s, and my complexion is cleared up. And it came like, it came way, so, way nicer. I mean, I have pimples here and there, you know, but <laughs> Gandhi's and all kind of Rudolph's and, you know, and people make fun. And so anyway, I thought that was a pimple. So you look healthier. So you get healthier, you live longer. But you know what, honestly? Besides maybe the pimples, that, this was not the reason why I changed my, li- my diet and my lifestyle. Not only diet, but I run. I run three times a week. I try to stay three or four times. I try to stay ex- healthy because diet is only one aspect. You got fresh air, sunshine, you know, lifestyle. It's a whole big picture. You can't just say one thing. It's everything. Um, so that's one aspect. Here's the second thing of eating healthy. The second point is found in um, verse 20. Could someone read that, please? I tell the workers, if you eat unhealthy, guess what? You're going to get sick and you're useless in the field, right? And that's why if you eat healthy, you won't get as sick as often, right? That's one that's physical. Okay, so physically it's good. This is what happened here. After they eat healthy, for what happened after three years? Well, how, how did the king find them mentally and the ability to understand things? What does it say here? Ten, ten, times, better. ten times wiser than who? The wisest men in all the realm. In other words, your mind will clear up because you get all those oils that you're eating and all the caffeine and it numbs your mind and you can't understand things. And then I give you an example. Have you guys heard of um, the Waianae diet, the Hawaii diet by Dr. Shintani in Hawaii? Very f- famous. You guys heard about that? Um, I had a seminar here and my brother went to medical school with Dr. Shintani. So I was able to talk to Dr. Shintani after his presentation on the Hawaii diet he was giving on the Waianae diet. And, which is actually a, a plant-based vegetarian diet he's promoting with some fish. You know, and a wine diet is a little bit different with some fish. And so I was talking to him, and he said that he, when he was in medical school, get this one. Well, first of all, my brother said when he was in medical school, when he studied the class of pathology and found out all the diseases and, um, and microbes within meat, all the medical students quit eating meat. Of course, one year later, they get, went back into it, you know. <laughs> but Dr. Shintani said before he was eating, when he was eating meat, he, he was actually getting D's and C's in school. D's and C's. And then when he finally quit eating meat, he, got, he was getting A's in school. So it affects you mentally. And so why? So you can actually know God, and then also you can love God. And what's another aspect of um, Daniel's diet? And look at verse 17. Can somebody read verse 17? Daniel 1, verse 17. Okay, he had learning wisdom, but Daniel had understanding in all what? What does the Bible say? Visions. 
What is visions? Is visions physically, mental, or spiritual? Spiritual. Do you see that? So not only physically and mentally you're going to feel better, but spiritually you're going to be able to see spiritual things. Why is this important? Because when you're up there speaking, your mind's going to be clear. You're going to hear the Holy Spirit. You're going to be able to um, be in tune with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be able to have um, insights into the Word of God that you've never seen before. And I believe that as you change your lifestyle, you know, you change your, from eating simple things. I mean, you stop eating like the sugar, you lower your sugar, you stop drinking like the, you know, the, the, the caffeine and all that. It actually, your mind gets sharper. And then the Holy Spirit can speak to you and you can get more powerful presentations on the love of God being presented to people. Any thoughts, questions, experiences? You hear and know the love of God. Okay. And the last text, John 7, verse 17. John 7, verse 17. If we're willing to be obedient, what will we know? John 7, verse 17. Can someone read that, please? If any man will do his will, he shall know of his doctrine. There will be a God or a way I speak of myself. Okay. What's the only way that you're going to know of God's doctrines or God's teachings to you, what God wants to teach you? whether it be of God or whether it be of yourself, what's the only way that you're going to know of the doctrine, of the truth? What must you do? You must be what? You must, if any man will what? Do his what? What does do his will mean? What does that mean? To be what? Be obedient. Be, be obedient. So if the Holy Spirit, if you're studying the Word of God, if the Holy Spirit teaches you something, you should listen to the Spirit, right? Obey the Spirit. He tells you, He convicts you on your, Holy, on your heart what you need to do. You need to apologize to someone who actually uh, you said something wrong to. You need to listen to the Spirit. And God's going to bless that. And then he, He's not going to teach you more truth unless you obey what you already know, right? And then you, and in that experience, you can share a testimony of how like, you reconcile with someone. That's a powerful experience. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to have a real experience. Now, I just wanted to share um, this on preaching, uh, the importance of devotions. Now, how many of you, okay, how many of you felt when you hear somebody preaching, or I mean, if, you heard, if you heard myself preaching, how many of you actually felt the Holy Spirit maybe tugging on your heart or when I'm presenting? Have you ever felt that kind of th- feeling? And the reason why I'm sharing this is because I contribute preaching not so much my intellectual knowledge or my skill of the Bible, I present it primarily to my walk with God in the morning. That's, my walk with God in the morning is crucial. Now, I'm going to share with you what I do my devotions. And this is an ex- I'm not the example. Jesus is the only example. But I want to share with you this is an example of how you have devotions and the importance of devotions. Um, I start off with, first thing I do, I roll over, I pray, God, please take my life because uh, I surrender my life to you because I know my heart is easy to sway during the day, so I surrender my life to God. Then I pray for my family. I pray for my friends. I pray for the church leadership uh, within the church. I pray for uh, my, uh, the workers over here. And I pray for everyone by name. I'm not just saying, oh, pray for the church leaders. I pray for each one by name. I plead with God for each person. Um, I pray for my enemies that don't like me. I pray for all these things. And then um, that... Example, that goes for like half an hour. I'm just praying. And then I go outside, and I get my devotion book on the love of God. I read outside in nature, and I find my place I always go to, and I read. 
and I read for like for a little while, and then also I meditate on the love of God in my book. I close it and I meditate for like on the um, outside. And I made a commitment to God that before I just spent like an hour outside, and then God convicted me that if I ever get, I made a deal with God. I said, God, if I ever get ordained as a minister, because that was impossible in those days because things was happening in my walk, um, I'll give two hours to you. I mean, you don't have to do this, but that's what I did. But God miraculously got me ordained. In a-